0: Hello and welcome to the People for Olsen podcast. In this week's episode, Mayor Mark Olsen is sitting down and talking with the mayor of the village of East Syracuse, Robert Tackman. Well, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. We're so thrilled to have you along the campaign journey. If you'd like to stay updated on all things happening with the campaign, then make sure you visit us online at peopleforolsen.com. You can also find us on Facebook, the People for Olsen Campaign. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that way you'll stay up to date the moment a new episode of the podcast is released. And then leave us a review and let us know what you think of the People for Olsen podcast. Without further ado, here's this week's conversation between Mark and Mayor Robert Tackman.
1: Welcome, Mayor Tackman. Thank you so much for being on the People for Olson podcast. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely, my pleasure. So you are also the vice president of the Onondaga County Mayors Association. So I want to say thank you for all that work too, on behalf of all the mayors in Onondaga County. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well,
2: I've been the mayor for just over eight years of the Village of Syracuse, and with that, been um, the vice president of the Mayor Association. I also I am the chair of the finance committee for NYCOM the New York State Mayors Conference, and but outside of that, you know, I have a full-time job in the lending industry, banking industry. I've been doing that for about 15 years, and uh, father of four, married to my wife for you know almost 14 years, and just one of those guys that I'm here to support the community in any way I can, and that's really what got me into the. Village government.
1: What did, yeah, were you a trustee before or did you go right to being... I went right to mayor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> skip, don't skip a step. Yeah, just go right, yeah, to, right? Yeah.
2: exactly. Uh, you know, one of the things was I was on a committee for the village prior, just a development committee to help grow the village and the Redfield uh, committee. And once that committee was ending, the previous mayor, my predecessor, came out to and said, hey, we need good people to run for office. And at that point, I offered to run for, as a trustee. And uh, was starting to get engaged, and my, never really had any interest in public office. But had not you know, my thought was I can step in and help and use my experience from business world and also supporting nonprofits and being community leader to help. And as I got closer to petitioning time, the mayor decided he wasn't going to go for a reelection, and we started looking for someone else to run. And at that point, that's when. He said you know what let, if we're going to do this let's do let's go all in and that's usually the type of person i am if i'm going to get engaged in something i want to be fully engaged and and uh figured let, let's do this and uh went out and my opponent at the time was even the mayor prior to my predecessor so it was a great experience to go against a strong candidate and uh we we uh, i was thankful that my team won and we won by 10 votes
1: <laughs> <laughs> I won by eight, yeah, so, so I, I know exactly. They always
2: what I say every vote counts, yeah, and uh, you know, and, and it's been truly a rewarding time. And uh, mm. you know, as my term ends this year and not running again, uh, it's definitely a sad time. But it's time, for, you know, it's a, been a great experience.
1: You've overseen a, a fair amount of change too in the village because. You know, there's not many people that have gone through what you've gone through. I've said on this podcast, the nice thing about meeting every once a month with all the mayors is, you know, we were talking before about, you know, deers and t- chickens and mm-hmm. all the things. Yeah, you know, all we do this on a daily basis, but there's not, it's not like a, a ton of people do what we do. So it's nice to be able to talk to people about these things. Um, and that's the one thing that I love about the mayor's association. And we kind of bounce things off each other and we talk to mm-hmm. them. But not many people have disbanded their police department. Right, you know, and merged. How was that? Because I know that that was right in the beginning, right? Yeah, that was a couple years in. um, Just
2: as I took office, they had probably six months prior had tried to abolish the police department, and it was voted down by the public pretty significantly. I think it was like a 90% vote to, to not move forward with the abolishment. So we took some time and wanted to really understand what happened, why it didn't work, and what the expectation was. And Really, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a very pro-police officer. Even when we had our police department, you could ask any of my officers. I did so many ride-alongs that, you know, my officers sometimes would knock my door when they'd see me in the office.
1: Like, hey, come on out. We miss you. And I've been saying this all along, um, that all these people that are trying to do these things with... Do, have you done a ride along? If you haven't done a ride along, you shouldn't be saying one word until right. you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you've done. I've seen you on fire scenes, so you get yeah. it too. So, to me, that's the most important thing. Before you defund or do whatever you're going to do, spend a shift with them and see what they go through, and then you'll have a totally different outlook and perspective on what they do.
2: Yeah, and that's. So I was. I did many ride alongs, and uh, it was a great experience. And, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, my job is to make sure the job, the village is not a fiscal place that can support the community and when we started looking at the numbers and just really the expectations of what we had for our police department it wasn't something that we could keep going on with and so we went back to the drawing board of the abolishment and working with the town police department what could happen on you know I would say we were fortunate enough to have the the comments and the feedback from the prior uh, vote so we took all that from the public hearings and listened to what happened and You know, so we did have some legwork ahead of us that was done, and it was a great, uh, you know, advantage for us to look back, and we were able to answer a lot of those questions. And when we came back around the second time, um, we were able to propose a different type of look at it and a different image, and it passed um, pretty significantly.
1: I remember when you guys came to Consensus, you and the town supervisor, and spoke, and I, I, I got done. And I was like, "Oh my God!" Yeah, I was blown away at how much detail and how much really thought had gone into it. And you know, I said, "No wonder it passed because it was a better product. It was a better service. It was everything was check, check, check." You know what I mean? In our, you know, in our job as mayor, to make sure that all the things get done.
2: Yeah, and it was, you know, it was important to know that you know all the full time officers all kept a job. They all went to the town and to police department. Uh, they all received increases to meet the new you know, pay scale to town, uh, new opportunities to grow within a new police department. uh, And it also just enhanced the services ability. You know, anytime with the East Syracuse Police Department, we were out patrolling the village. Uh, It was anywhere from one car to two cars. But really, when it came to investigative service, community support, it was really difficult. You know, we didn't have that, you know, level of staffing or the funding to do that. Mm-hmm. So now with the town of DeWitt, we have that ability to provide investigative services, community support, uh, full office staff, and it really enhanced the, the service that we're providing to our residents. And, you know, it saved our residents hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars since. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's been great. You know, the relationship with the town of DeWitt has been fantastic to support us and
1: because we lost, besides the, 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 that cost, we had lost sales tax back right? to that. And so we were already at a disadvantage because, you know, the county, even though they made up for 50% of it, it's still a 50% haircut mm-hmm. for our sales tax. And then you put on the cost that just kept escalating. Yeah. This was something that... You guys also passed a rental registry, which not a lot of other villages have.
2: Yeah, so that was you know, passed just before I came in. and But we've still been actively pushing it and using it. And, and it's great. We have a lot of rental properties in our community and you know and it's great it's rental properties create a great diversity for communities Um, it creates reasonable housing for people too as they go throughout different stages of their lives but you know one of the guidance of it is to ensure that it's safe Uh, a lot of rental properties you know are owned by large organizations or you know individuals that have multiple properties that don't really understand you know the need for the community but also don't really have the time to invest maintenance or want to invest maintenance. So this rental registration really holds our um, rental property owners responsible. And uh, you know we go in and we look for safety
1: for our, our residents. Yeah. We've gotten a lot of pushback and, and, and it's something that I want to bring back up and try again because, mm-hmm. This uh, you're infringing on my rights, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're not you said the word right there safety I just want to know when a police officer firefighter EMS person shows up that they know where they're going They know who's you know, or what apartments or how many they know the exits and the entries So that they can safely get in and out of there without getting hurt and you're safe to get in and out You know you the resident have you gotten any pushback since, you know? Every once in a
2: while, we'll have a tenant or somebody come and complain, or let's say someone buys a property uh, and doesn't know about it. We have to, you know, our code department notifies them. Mm-hmm. We'll hear some pushback. But overall, we just stick to our, you know, our plan that it's it's for the safety of our community. Yeah. It's you know, for the residents that feel like we're, you know, intruding on their privacy. We're not there looking at how their furniture is placed. We're not looking at what they have, how many people. We're looking at the outlets. We're looking at the plumbing. We're looking at smoke detectors. We're making sure at the end of the night when they're sleeping, they have somewhere that they can rely on, it's safe. They're looking, you know, and that's, and if we're not in there, you know, it, we're missing that stuff. And the yep. pro, the great thing with the program is for properties that are kept up. It's a rated scale of A, B, C. Uh, A's are every three years, B's are every two, and C's are every year. And it really pressures the landlords to fix those properties and get them. um, And it also gives the tenants some leverage to go back to their landlords. And if they have issues, it gives us a chance to see the issues and help support those tenants.
1: You've also overseen the, your code office now is changing, and I know you've worked with the fire department. You know you're you're exploring because we had a conference call conference call with the mayors and the mm-hmm. and our fire chiefs. You seeing more of that? I mean, are you trying to get that done ahead of time, or are you going to turn that over to the next mayor and say,
2: "Yeah, no, I," you know, even though I have about eight months left of my term, I'm still keeping very aggressive. There's plans and goals. We want to make sure we're running the most efficient organization that we can. Not only when it comes to budgeting perspective, but just really the what's best for our community, and we're we're always looking at different options. We have a great code enforcement team right now, and uh, we're looking at how we can
1: enhance it. How many residents live in East Syracuse? About thirty-six hundred. And then how many par- how many you know like parcels? Yeah, about sixteen hundred. Wow, that's dense. Yeah, you know yeah. we're we're like 1,700 mm-hmm. parcels, so. Uh, we're at 1.7 square miles. I don't know how many you guys 1.6, are. 1.6, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a lot.
2: Yeah, that's it's pretty... very down. We have a lot of large um, old properties. When I say old, you know, just um, back 100-year-old properties, they're big. You know, mm. they ha- they may house two to three to four apartments, yeah. and uh, it's, they're neat. It's, it's a great, you know, opportunity, um, but it
1: also creates different challenges that we have to yeah. deal with. The rental, we had a we had a, a property that was two apartments and we had a police call there and they found a, a person dead. And then, so they called the fire department in and, and there was five apartments. They had yep. just, and never had told anybody. And you know, the death has, was just natural causes, but it got us thinking, well, how many other ones are out there mm-hmm. like this? And that's why we started it. But boy, we got pushed back. Like you would not believe people were just like. And I think it was more landlord driven than tenant driven, right? But you no, know, maybe you know now it's a little different. How many employees are in the village? Do you...
2: uh, we average about twenty, uh, two to twenty-four full-time employees, and then we have probably six or eight part-time um, employees throughout the year on different York know, Code Inspectors and other parts. And then uh, during the summer, we can go up to with our Parks Department. Um, and some of our deep puub extra help that we bring on, and we can get up to about forty or fifty employees
1: because you have a pool that not yeah. every village has. like Salve and uh, Jordan I believe has okay yeah and what's that like because that is something that not everybody has to deal with when it comes yeah, to yeah you know mayor.
2: I enjoyed a lot you know i when I was a kid i I remember I lived in a different community, but I remember on Sunday nights we'd go over and I took my lifeguarding lessons in that pool. Back then, they used to have a cover. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have a cover anymore. It's been kind of one of those goals we want to do to add the cover back on. Uh, But really, it's a great opportunity for our village to have it. It's a great experience for our residents to be able to come, not only play in the park, but a place to cool down, swim, learn the, you know, safety of water. Um, And at the end of the day, you know, we do for us. I know some different communities charge for their residents. It's a nice thing that here in East Syracuse we don't charge our residents to use the pool. It's completely free. We do charge for non-residents. Um, we try to host events with it. We try to use, make it the best we can. Yeah. And um, and actually North Syracuse, I remember actually, I should know that. I used to be a lifeguard at the North yeah. Syracuse pool. Yeah. Um, they have a pool as well. It's just another you know thing we can add to our parks and recreation program that you know and we'd take full advantage of it. That pool is full all the time. COVID
1: have any effect? Yeah, definitely.
2: You know, yeah. it definitely did. We didn't open it till a little later this past year because of COVID, waiting for guidelines from the state and the county when they did come out with it. Um, we certainly had to limit um, the amount of people. To, um, we sat down. We came up with a great plan. We had people spacing out. We separated the pool in different zones. Uh, people had to call and make reservations. And at that point, Last summer, we strictly were only village residents. We didn't allow any non-residents to participate, um, which was a challenge. We have a lot of people that are just regular, you know, mm. pool attendants that love to come and join. Especially those who live on the bordering of the town and the village line that don't really get you know where it is. But you know, we worked through, and it was busy. There wasn't a time that in we keep it open for forty-five minutes. So they would close, disinfect everything, and then another wave of people would come back in. So it was nice. It was it was good. It was limited, but it was nice to offer something. You know, with everything going on with COVID, a chance to get people out, burn off some energy, cool down, um, and we're we're looking forward to
1: going at it again this year. They redid that. Huh? I mean, I remember because I'm I was, we were talking earlier. I think I might you're my fourth mayor, mm-hmm. but I was trying to think. I think Tony redid that. Correct. I, I believe so. Yeah, it's yeah. just about uh, probably about 12 or 15 years old um, for the
2: building, and that's when you know that that brings in some of the challenges of us trying to recover the pool when they redid the building the building design isn't designed for a cover to be on the pool um but you know it's a great facility it's a great building it's much better i remember with the old one again i used to go there on sunday nights um it was certainly a strange layout the building was older uh coming in having a freshly new building really allows us the ability to not have to spend a lot of funds on repairs and maintenance. It allows us to really put the money into programming.
1: Yeah. I got to ask, cause I don't know, did that Was our, that we sold you a garbage truck, everything okay? Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always get a, a, a little f- fearful when we do that. You yeah, know, but, you know,
2: but that just, that's the great thing, you know, and that kind of just brings back everything with like the mayor, sharing with mayor associations, you know, had that, you know, you guys were done with the need of the truck and mm-hmm. uh, we were in need of something that we don't use on a regular basis. So. It's just the perfect opportunity. The truck runs great. Um, And to us, we saved a lot of money on buying something that was used. You guys were able to get rid of something you weren't using and get a decent price for it. it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's the perfect example of how we can all work together and support each other. That, you know, otherwise we would have gone out and bought something brand new for something we use on a very irregular schedule. Yeah,
1: I've been trying. That's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is I think people think there's some, you know, we do it, and, and we don't tell it. It's it's not that complicated. Right. It's communication, it's relationships, mm-hmm. and it's working with the county and the town and the villages, and just getting it done. We don't care who you know who gets the the uh, that of boys or who gets whatever. It's you know, can I help you? What do you need? Today I got an, an email about a, a roller. Ours is literally down, so someone called and said, "Hey, I heard yours down. We have an extra one. Do you need it?" And I said we're good right now but yes if we if we do need it yeah we don't we're not doing any projects right now does your DPW do the road or do you contract that out like we use a A lot of it
2: yeah a lot of it we contract out we do some Um, if we do the oil and stone we actually partner with the town We they bring some of their equipment we have some of ours um, and we kind of partner
1: how about paving
2: paving we when it comes to paving we we bring in suit coat and have
1: them do it we've been very fortunate the town of Manlius Mm -hmm. like last year we did Berkeley Drive we got a county grant uh, to do that. And they came in, we milled it, and they paved the whole thing for us. And we not, we paid for the materials, never got a bill for, you know, but we go and help them when they need, right. you know what I mean? So that service to me is where residents are saving money. Because I think I had Rob Cushing on and he, we're saving probably $100,000 just by doing it ourselves with material and labor and things like that.
2: Yeah. And I think that's one of the things we run into the challenge over these years, especially the last three or four years since we've had the governor's guidance or orders to had these shared services plans and really kind of, I went forcing municipalities to get together and come up with these plans on sharing. And I remember as myself just sitting in a room with my team saying, okay, what can we share with other villages that we aren't already that could be eligible for these plans? And mm-hmm. it was a challenge because-
1: And how do you quantify it? Like, right. like our bucket truck goes to help you put up your, I think it's the street lights or do something or mm-hmm. the banners or something. And I'm like, how do you quantify that? You, you right. use it for the day and you bring it back. I mean, right. there, you, yeah, you save some money. But how do you, like, how much, you know? Yeah, and I remember I I went to
2: one of my staff members and I said, we've got to come up with shared services and that kind of was like this new hot word of the community and government. And I kind of got, my team was laughing, It's like, we've been sharing services for 30 years, you know, we need something, we pick up the phone to our neighbor uh, and they they jump on it. And same thing, when our phone rings and says, we need some support, we'll send them whatever we can. And, I think that's important to recognize in local government. You know, I actually had some interviews this afternoon for new staff members we're looking to bring on to the village and we're talking about that. Like In the private world, it's, it's not as known that you know, I work in a financial institution. I'm not gonna call another financial institution to borrow you know, yeah. supplies yeah. or yeah. get advice. But in municipal work, we just have to, to, to survive. You know, mm. My clerks call your clerks and other clerks, and my DPW superintendents. We all get together because we're not here to compete against each other. We're here yeah. to support each other because the better Fayetteville is, the better Manoa is, Manlius is the better East Syracuse is going to be. And yeah. just the same. And mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people don't recognize that and forget about the importance
1: yeah. of it. And the other, thing, the other thing I think people don't understand is like state aid. We know AIM. So AIM funding is the state aid that municipalities get in New York state. It's been $715 million for how long? 10 years?
2: <sighs> as far as I've right. been around, So yeah. the
1: increase in school funding this year was one, just shy of $1.2 the increase. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I go to NICOM and in Albany and, and, and try to get the legislators to listen to us, but it hasn't the governor will not increase it. Yet our cost and mandates keep going up and up and up. And that's to counties too. Counties and towns, mm-hmm. their aid hasn't gone up at all. And you sit there and say, I wish people could understand that Albany and Washington they need to stop that, Just they're just broke. And yet the county and the towns and the villages keep working and keep figuring out ways to make it happen right. and keep providing that service. And to me, local government is really the most important form of government and village is the closest. Do you ever go to the store and people, I tell people at church, I'll get the mayor. When are you picking up my leaves? Do you get a lot of that or? Yeah,
2: you know, and it's, I try not to go, you know, when yeah. I have to run and grab a gallon of milk, it takes another Forty minutes because I run into three or four different people, uh, but you know that's one of the things you enjoy about being in the local office. That when something happens, you can really make a difference and get it figured out. You know, uh, unfortunately, when you get to the higher level positions, that you start to lose that disconnect. And I think a lot of those positions they have lost that. And you already know, said when it comes to AIM funding and different mandates, it's really challenging with the state when you have leaders that. Don't recognize how that affects us and goes down. Um, last year, uh, I was looking at, you know, a run for Senate, state Senate, and I, one of the things I was really ch- looking to bring along was my experience of local government and really being able to shout that really loud when in the Senate, saying, look, you know, you're pushing these down, but these are the people that are picking up the trash. These are the people. Anytime someone dials 911, these are the people that are showing up, and yeah. we keep getting pushed and pushed. And at the end of the day, I think that's, you know, what our residents are looking for is who's going to come when I dial 911? Who's going to pick up my trash? Who's going to pave my roads? Yeah, because during (laughs)
1: COVID, you know, as well as I do, we talked a bunch of times, there was never, there was never a doubt that we weren't going to be there. We didn't have to be there. That was our job. And that was our focus. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know you had, I remember calling you saying, how are you doing this? How are you doing that? And bouncing off each other. Do you see that uh, things that like that we've changed going back to the way it was or do you see some of the changes that have happened you're going to stay on and keep
2: you know we've really you know I, I think some of the changes we've done a lot of it we've had to go back just because with local government we're so spread thin that you know when i have 22 staff members and when we were on uh covid relief I, to say or pandemic it was you know going to 50 percent staff that the albany governor was pushing and it it was a challenge when you're 22 people yeah. and trying to think of like all right well my firefighters are still going to show up to maintain the equipment my staff is going to still there to pay bills like we don't run a huge team of people where i could say okay half of you go home and we'll figure it out yeah. half of you go home what services are we dropping um, so really, we've brought a lot of it back on. We've used some of the experience, you know, looking at technology uh, as part of the pandemic plans we were all required to put together. You know, we really put a lot of effort on remote technology and, you know, how we can go forward with that. You know, looking at different options of even cutting down costs in the building. Maybe people can work from home a little bit. Um,
1: are you live streaming your meetings, or are you?
2: We're slowly working on trying to enhance it. We're, we're still using we use to Meetings. Okay. Um, so they allow us to let people participate electronically, but they don't have the live stream capability. So we are looking to try to separate in the next few
1: months. So I that, want to try to figure out a live stream. We're doing the live stream, the Boxcast. Yeah. And, but, it, the Zoom has a nice feature that it's interactive, and but the Boxcast doesn't have. I wish there was one that had both. Right. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Where somebody could raise their hand, or we could figure out when they have a question. Because why well, the live streaming is great it's nice to have that interaction because we're still like, you you just got done or you're working on your budget. We had our budget meeting Monday night, there was three residents and I get it, there's COVID, but there was only 10 viewers on the live stream, so.
2: Yeah. And I honestly, when we have meetings, I love the community feedback. And I know there's some communities out there that they stick to the rules of order, you know, public is only allowed to speak during these periods and not allowed to comment on this. You know, we're, we're very open, you know, we, if we're about ready to pass a motion and someone raises their hand, we stop, we take their yeah. comment, you know, depending on the controversy, if it's an issue, you know, room packed full of people, we might limit the time, but we try to be open as possible. And when, when you go to these live streaming, and I've watched a few for different communities,
1: there's no way to have that interaction. Right. And, yeah. and that's- To me, that's not a village yeah i do the same thing you do i yeah. let people unless we have a pack crowd and it's three minute limit but right other than that it's an open forum because that's what it's about we're right. this, you know we have the exact same goals most of the time as the residents that are there to speak you know pro or against the project yeah
2: and that's the great thing about you know we live in the community and as you mentioned our our communities aren't that large you know they're 1.6 square miles that you know just because it happens on their street I'm four blocks away, you know usually at the most, between any direction in the village, so most likely it's going to happen in my block or I'm going to yeah. see it when I'm out for a walk or whatever it may be. so
1: I want to hear their feedback and um but you have a very diverse village I mean when you think about it you have industry, yeah you have commercial, you have residential, and you have I know that in your fire dresser, you have a lot of hotels and carriers. or yep. I mean you have a lot of responsibility and also a lot of like most communities aren't as diverse as yours. With when it comes to, in like Manoa as as a bedroom community, right. Fayetteville is very bedroomish, and also very commercial. Manly is the same bedroom and commercial, but not a lot of industry. You have a good mix of everything.
2: Yeah, which I, I I really enjoy. It really creates a different atmosphere, which also creates even more diverse or excuse me, compact area for our residents to live in, and but we it brings challenges. We have train track we have two highways that you know go through our our village and yeah we have a ton of retail um you know very couple of large box organizations car dealerships to banks to
1: have you uh, heard any more I, I didn't mean to cut you off but no. 81 like i've been banging this drum banging this drum had a nice conversation with senator manion he did follow up and told me nothing. We're not going to get anything. Then I followed up with a semi he said, yeah, they're, they're working on it and they'll be back to us very soon. But have you heard? I've had
2: no response and it's, it's been a challenge. And I know, you know, and I, am I'm, I'm from the perspective of whatever the decision is, the decision is, you're right? You're right. You know, I, I know as local officials, we've all come together and try to hear our voice mm-hmm. and they've listened and heard, but they haven't responded. I guess it's my biggest challenge is as a community leader is, you know, again, I'm reaching out by the concerns of I cover two of those highways that are going to be greatly impacted mm-hmm. for fire protection. You know, what type of access are my fire trucks going to have? What type of staffing am I going to have to worry about if I, you know, if there's additional heavy rescue calls. Well, you have three,
1: you have 41, 690 and, and Yeah, they're a thru-way. Yeah, you're right. I mean, think about that. That's the thing that's crazy is, and, and, and you and I have been on the same page, just tell us what's going on, right. you know, because at the end of the day, when it's done, it's going to be in your lap and my lap, and mm-hmm. we're going to have to deal with the consequences. So why can't we have input? Right. To me, that's what good lo- local government is, is, hey, here's our concerns. Just address those concerns. They're right. not saying don't do it. They're not saying we're against it. We're saying, what are you going to do about this, this, and that? And you have a legitimate, I mean, when I think about, didn't even think about the railroad, I forgot about the railroad tracks. Yeah. I mean, nobody else has that, Correct. As big
2: yeah, as you. Field. Yeah, when Manoa Mino- has railroad, right. you know, go right through. But yeah, and that, and that just leads to the challenges. And again, I don't care if 81 goes or if it stays, either way, the impact is going to be coming to us on an increased volume. Because if they keep it, they're going to have, you know, they're going to be shutting down lanes and pushing people over to 481 and 690 to, to relieve 81 while they do the construction. And that's a huge increase to us. But also on the other side that, you know, if they go to the community grid and push everybody, same thing, they're just pushing all these vehicles over. And I'm not a highway expert, I, I'll never try to be, but my job is to speak for the community that protects it, that my fire trucks and, you know, it's not my police department, but I sit on the police commission for the DeWitt, the police cars that are gonna have to respond, the, the EMS, and just all this stuff is just gonna be now compacted. And, and just no one can give us answers on What's it yeah. going to look like? That's all I want to know is yeah. what's it going to look like yeah. and how, are, what kind of responses are we going to have? What kind of, you know, what type of data has been put together of number of accidents that can be forecasted based on that type of traffic volume? Just, yeah. but you know, all I get is challenge on, well, you must be against or for, and I'm like, but no, I, yeah. at the end of the day, as a mayor, of the community that protects it, I have to prepare for either way. Yeah.
1: And even <laughs> president Biden said, I don't know if you caught it the other day. Um, about infrastructure. He was saying, I want the mayors here. I want to hear what they have to say because they can get stuff done. Mm-hmm. That's been always the way our, you know, we just, we, we see a problem, we figure it out and we get it done. And, and to me, that's, you know, all we want to know is what are you doing and how are you going to do it? Because right. we just want to make sure that if there's a problem, we know what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's too much asking. And I've talked to Ben Walsh about it a few times, we may be on opposite sides of the fence, but we're still, you know, we still, you have concerns and we have concerns and, and he said reach out to Pete uh, you know Buddha judge I did on twitter mm-hmm. i haven't heard back but you know i hope you know i talked to peter at nicom you know just keep banging the drum he said keep banging the drum but it's been frustrating to not get answers and not figure this out because it does have an impact even though Fayetteville is not touching it Three, the exits at 3E and R sure. and because 481 is going to be the, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's going to go that way. And so then that's going to back up all of Route 5. And our traffic lights are s- uh, synchronized from Wegmans all the way through the village. Right. So it affects. So that's got to be ch- And what do you, that's already wide enough. Do you widen right. it? What do you do at the throat at 92 and 5? Mm-hmm. I mean, all these questions, you know, no answers, no answers. And what happens to you? I mean, you have the I, when I think about it, and I'm surprised more mayors aren't like, "What is going on? My right, Phone's right. not ringing." But you know, I think hopefully they, they have a plan, and hopefully they'll get yeah, it. Yeah, right. I,
2: I think just a lot of people have focused so much on just the idea of, well, either let's. You know, anytime you try to, I call to Albany or talk to someone from Albany, you know, they they think I'm against or for, and you know. And it's not. It's yeah. At the end of the day, just like I said, one of our goals as a local officials. But someone dials 901, who's showing up? Yeah. And it's it's our fire department.
1: I was impressed with uh a seven man hunter when you, you you and I met and we were talking about deer and mm-hmm. you had turned me on to meeting with her and I was impressed that she really did her homework and she knew I was because I had gone through it and I had lived yeah. it for two years to get sure. it passed, but she had really done her homework and she guys helped get the study for the town of DeWitt and mm-hmm. help work. Have you seen that working? Because I know we just finished ours and we had the same amount as we had last year, and we had and actually had a good year
2: yeah um, um, we and from our village we we haven't experienced much of it. you know we haven't had a program or had the need for a program. Uh-huh. I think again, in the town certainly has, has had a large influx. I haven't um, noticed it myself as a resident driving around the town, but I think again, but because of we are bordered by so many highways and the railroads, we don't have we have some areas with some deer, you know it's not uncommon you know in certain parts of the village to see a deer. But nothing too extreme where we need to
1: go to yeah. that action so i haven't seen that so one point that people might know about you or might not know about you you're an eagle scout yes so tell us a little bit about that i mean because i i would imagine that helped you with being the mayor because
2: I, you know i i always reflect that it, it's helped me throughout my whole life you know it's really set the path of who i am and where i go um you look at any you know, bio or resume that I have that goes into detail, it's usually within the first few sentences or paragraph. Um, It really taught me to how to be a person, you know, how to be a responsible community uh, individual to really understand that, you know, you, you get back what you give and we're all here to support each other. And um, I can't do it alone. And it's all about the team that you surround yourself with. And it's, Probably one of the best things I've ever done in my life. What that, was your
1: uh, Eagle Scout project?
2: Uh, I cleaned up my church that I grew up with in North Syracuse. After, it was supposed to be just in general that the church's property had just been overgrown by you know weeds and trees and really looked awful. You know, They had a beautiful church, but when you looked at the property, it was awful. But then ironically, a week before my project, um, microbursts came through town <laughs> oh and God. really demolished a lot of the property. So uh, we certainly hit the minimum of hours. So we went through and cleaned up the entire property, really made it a beautiful image for the community, uh, gave several more parking spaces for the church, which was an issue, um, but really just kind of brought that pride that was inside of the heart of the church to outside. And it was it was great.
1: Do you get a lot of um, uh, where they ask for you to write a letter for Eagle Scout to... Um, I get that. And, and I said to myself, that, yeah, I was doing them for the first year or so, and I'm like, oh, this is nice. you know, I really. But then I thought to myself, they were never doing them in Fayetteville. And I'm like, why? So I reached out, and now, literally, we do one or two a year. Like we have one uh, um, Eagle Scout doing a dog park for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one do trails. We had one uh, clean our bird preserve, one do community gardens at our senior center. And then, uh, now we have an extension we're going to add. It was so popular that an Eagle Scout wants to add 10 more. And, and I'm like, this is, you know, to me, you right. know, I never made it the Eagle Scout, but uh, uh, I always thought this is great. They're doing it where they live. Mm-hmm. It's part of the community. Um, and to me, I've just been so impressed with these kids that they've come in and they have, you know, I learned that. I don't know if you taught me this, but someone taught me the kid has, to, you know, the Eagle Scout has to do it all. Yeah. You know, the parents have to just. And so I, I'm pretty good at saying to the parents, all right, thank you very much. But you just sit on the sidelines here. They'll have the interaction with me. They'll, you know, they'll ask me all the questions. I'll answer. They have to do everything. Did you find it to be you know, that way with your parents when you were going through the process?
2: Yeah, it was definitely a challenge. You know, certainly my dad, he was a very active scout leader, you know, and wanted to be there to participate. But, you know, on the, on the flip side, though, too, he kind of knew the expectations and the plans. So, um, it was a neat experience trying to work, you know, especially as a young teenager to work with the adults of the church and especially with the church I grew up with. And, you know, my parents wanted to be at those meetings too and, yeah. you know, try to, but it really taught me how to, to work with individuals, no matter their age, no matter their background, you know, we all had a goal together and that's really what leads me to still, like we all just have a goal at the end of the day. We want to be the best community we can, the safest community. And, um, I don't care what background you have or where you're coming from. If you're in a room to help us, we're going to take your advice. We're going to listen to you. We may not agree, but we're going to move on and do the right choices. And um, yeah, I I always love it when you know the scouts call and offer support. Um, I do a lot of speaking events at the scouting um, meetings. I'm always opening my doors. Obviously, because COVID is a little unique, I did a few Skype. Um, meetings with the Scouts and the Cub Scouts talking about my experience, not only as an Eagle Scout, but as a mayor and a leader in the community. And uh, it's always, you know, Scouts is always in the back of my heart you know, head and always on the heart. So what
1: part of the job do you love the most?
2: You know, I, I really love that I can make change. You know, I can take that complaint or hear that issue and go back to the team and make that make it happen you know so many times you you think about as a resident oh i'm gonna make this i'm gonna call make a complaint and nothing ever heard or happened unfortunately sometimes some of that stuff takes time you know i I know we're working at a particular issue in the village on a property that it just you know there's certain notices we have to give and it's really frustrating yeah like the
1: skyline apartments i can sit i can literally you know you and i both (laughs) have been through a very small issue like that but it does take some time. There's yeah. no easy answer. There's no silver bullet to just sit there and say, fixed. Right. You know? Yeah.
2: And But when it is the small stuff or the simple things, it's nice where I can go to my DPW superintendent like, hey, th- you need to go fix that road over there, that pothole. Or, you know, uh, people know who I am. They can connect with me. Last weekend, I went and jump-started a lawnmower for somebody so they can mow their lawn, which was great, because a neighbor next to them had been complaining that the lawn was too high. So just having that you know, ability to support and help, uh, really is one of the things I enjoy most.
1: Yeah. What are you going to miss the most? You know, uh,
2: not, definitely not all the hours I put in.
1: No. Uh, yeah. Cause I, you know, I built uh, mayor of Brazil and I were talking about it. Mayor Warren, and I were talking about it too. People, I don't think have any, you know, I talked earlier yeah. before we went on air. I mean, I had, f- I hope my boss isn't listening, but I had three or four phone calls today that were good, you know, two mm-hmm. hours long total And I'm like, thank God I have a job where I can do both because it's it's turning out to be more and more that people think.
2: Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's the challenge that people run into and they they don't recognize that, you know, we're classified as part time. I have a full time job, as many of us do. And um, but, you know, and that I I think just really, you know, I I try to participate in every village event we have. I'm usually I try it myself. I'm a hands on person. I'm there. First thing in the morning, setting up tables, putting up cones and until the end of the night, pulling the trash cans out, you know, um, and just shaking hands, seeing people smile from the events and things we've added to the community.
1: Um, are you so, doing the taste of uh, East Syracuse again? Or? It's on
2: the schedule. You know, we, yeah. we are with everything this summer. We are planning on going full, full ahead on everything. Uh, we're certainly reviewing the guidelines right now and seeing mm-hmm. what we have to do to Make sure it's safe. Because that's and a, proper... a pretty
1: nice event for you. Did you start that?
2: <laughs> no, I did not. No. no. so. I thought you did. Well,
1: you went up here, right? <laughs>
2: no. So they've been, I think last year was like the, I think it was, the, or no, last year was canceled. The year before, I wouldn't say it was like the 11th or 12th year. Oh, okay. So it's been going on. I, I believe uh, Mayor Lika started it. Um, and then the cook-off as part of it was started the year before I took office. So we um, carried that torch along that. I've been the award-winning chef for that every year. Are they doing the field
1: days this year or no?
2: No, they they stopped the field days a few years ago. Okay. um, Prior to COVID and all that, Uh, just as you know, it's just challenging. It's challenging to get volunteers, get people
1: to support. Um, You see it firsthand how much it you know with the training and the calls and Mm -hmm. you know having a full-time job and having a you know trying to that work balance and then you know I don't even know what the percentage of calls that you guys require, but I mean to try to do that is is it. A big task to yeah. ask somebody God and, bless and our volunteers and volunteer, do yeah. It. yeah
2: God yeah. bless them you know they, they do it they do it out of the heart you know um they're there when we need them you know and if that's what it takes you know to cancel the field days and really focus on their training and meeting all the requirements I, I'm all I support that 100 percent that mm. you know and we try to financially support them as much as we can everything we can do um and you know, it, it does become very challenging. The The volume of training that's expected, the volume of calls that they're expected to respond to to get all the benefits of their low SAP. Now, when I say benefits, there's not, you know, it's not like, oh you God. know, they get the low SAP, as you know, the low SAP retirement, which they have to meet a certain number of requirements. And that retirement's not much. You know, thankfully, mm-hmm. the state last year passed some new legislation to allow us to increase it from $700 a year to 1200 Did you
1: guys pass that referendum? We did, yep. Okay.
2: And uh, so we're very happy to, to go. You know, seven hundred dollars a year is nothing. Even twelve hundred dollars a year is yeah. nothing for. You know, they deserve so much more. And yeah. uh,
1: you know, God bless them for. I've always yeah. said I wish that they give us a property exemption, and I think it's three mm-hmm. percent. I wish we could go to the to the firefighters and say, okay, no, te-. like if you meet those, yeah, take yeah. the Los Apple word away, yep, and say here you go, no property taxes. You're, if you meet the goals, right. you know, and say the average bill is five, to $6,000, that's an incentive for someone mm-hmm. to really yeah. put the effort forward, and we could manage that cost. We all right. could, the school, the county, the town, mm-hmm. and the village. We could manage those costs. Right. Then I think we would see more people. I mean, I think I, what the state tried to do was okay, but it wasn't good. Yeah, it, and that's, chan-
2: you know, it's just like any employer or any job that you try to hire for. You know, retirement benefits are great and fantastic, But for someone that's coming right out of college or, you know, even in their 30s or even in their 40s, for $1,200 a year, that's not changing their decision whether they're going to join or not. Yeah. You know, it's definitely an added benefit. Oh, yeah. But it's not not making up for the countless hours that they have to put in for training, the 3 a.m. fire calls. And it's not, you know, when they get called into a fire call, it's not a half hour, come in. It's, you know, you could be there for... be there for five minutes the call gets canceled on route or you know you could be there six seven hours depending on the volume you know we had a fire a few years ago that lasted five days
1: yeah yeah it was at the recycling yeah yeah i remember seeing you there right yeah my thing that i don't think people realize is even if it's a false alarm try to get back to bed right it it, it, literally you're there and you're you you, you're wound up and then then it turns out to be nothing, and then you got to try to wind down. Mm-hmm. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and you're like, oh, my God. And you have to go to work the next day. Yeah. It's, that's the thing that I don't think people really understand. Yeah, especially,
2: you know, think about it like middle of January, 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, it's freezing cold out. It's snow. you got to clear off your car. So not only are you alert because you're just anxious about this whatever potential call, and then you're coming home, and you're still but it's freezing out, so now you're trying to climb into yeah. bed, you're cold, yeah. you're trying to warm up. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't, and then it, your 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 work life suffers. And, um, you know, it, I, I, I joined for a short period. Um, it was just too much with the two jobs and everything else, and so I, I see it from, you know, yeah. and I, I definitely, I can't imagine what they continue to go. For those ones that have stuck through and keep doing it, I, I can't say I know what that feels like, and right. I can only just my best to support them
1: i've always and i think you have the same approach give them the tools to be successful mm-hmm. you know with you know within obviously within reason yep. but you know what do you need how and how can we help you get there uh, and then stay out of the way right you know because we we don't need to be there well we need to be there when they need us and we need to support them but yeah. we don't need to be you know part yeah, of yeah and
2: that, you know. know we've certainly had our hurdles over the last you know years that i've been in office um but i've always said you know i you know, the fire department or any of our departments really, you know, I want the people that are hired or even people that have been elected on those teams or volunteer their time. I, I try to say I, I know enough to understand, but I don't know enough to really make the decisions when it comes to the departments. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned a few times, you know, if there's a fire call in the village, I try my best. I don't care if it's a minor CO alarm where the alarm's going off. And most likely it's a bad bad battery or if it's a full Signal 99, I try to show up and, and not, I'm not there to critique. I don't, I'm just there to learn. I am a visual person, I, I love to see. You know, I remember one fire, I was there and I was watching and watching the equipment get broke. You know, one of the trucks, the, before they could lift the ladder, had to put the legs down to support it and it was broken. So they had to call in one, one of our, our maintenance guys come and fix it on the scene, climb on the car at, you know, two in the morning. But when that bill came in a few days later to get that repaired, it made it so much easier as a board member to say, yeah, this is important. And I explained to my board, like, cause I watched it. They couldn't put up the ladder for 35 minutes because they had to wait for someone to get there, fix it. You know, they were able to still do other things, but yeah. you know, and I was like, here you go. Like, yeah. and that's yeah. what I say, just when I'm on a scene looking at it, you know, I'm not there to criticize. I'm not there to critique. I'm there to watch and learn and you know, I love it when the firefighters come over or the chiefs come over and explain what's going on because the better educated myself or my board members are, it just helps every, you know, and I do the same thing with DPW and parks and, you know,
1: I did that on the, I, I I think I took it off of, I don't know if it was you, but I I took a. I did it in in college for a couple Mm of years, but I decided one of the guys was giving me, you know, he was like, When are you gonna come ride? And so I just showed up on a Tuesday and said, All right, let's go and, yeah. and, and and spent the garbage route on a Tuesday. And and you know what? It was so nice just to be able to see what they go through on a daily basis. And now I was fortunate it was a beautiful day and it was right, right, yeah. you know, sunny right. day in April and it was Tuesday's route and it was pretty light. But to me it's that's what it's about, you know. How right. can I have a reaction to something? Yeah. I haven't done.
2: Yeah. And we're not there to do it for political, no. you know, look, look at me. I, you know, I spend a day. I think a lot of us mayors have done it and, you know, gone out there and, and it's the only way, you know, um, when I used to do the ride along with the police department, I remember riding in a plow, um, and just showing, seeing the challenges of going from, you know, from a residential street to a commercial street, to even crossing different boundaries of a state road to a County road. And that, kind of led back to some of the shared services things like you know we drove across a a county road but we lifted our plow and we drove across and we put it back down and it's like but why you know like we're you know and i and i watched the state plow do the same thing came off state road got onto a village road picked up his plow got a block away put it plow Mm -hmm. it's like well if you're driving just do it right you know um so it and that's that's the type of stuff we have to see, and you're not going to see that in board minutes, or yeah. you're not going to see that, you know, in executive report. And it's the best way to get out there. And there's nothing more challenging when something comes across my
1: desk, and I don't, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Are you guys back in the board of trustees? Are you back in the same?
2: Yeah. So we came back in, um, probably two or three months ago. It just was challenging technology wise, but also just personality wise to just do everything virtual um you lose that
1: edge yeah, you're, or not edge but you lose that inability to to look someone in the eye or, right and or, read how they're feeling yeah. and
2: see if they're squirming or not squirming just to see if they're they're confused or not aware you know especially yeah. some of our trustees didn't even have, didn't have capability of having cameras so we had no idea you know and, and just you know, and sometimes people are afraid to ask the question or an answer mm-hmm. you know like if you're bringing something up and they're not familiar with it, you could tell like, "Oh, do you need an extra few minutes to decide yeah. you know um so we've brought our board and our department heads in uh, but also no public you know is allowed. They can all come onto the the streaming or the the go to virtually, so we still run the virtual. So that way, it's fully accessible by any resident. Yeah, uh, that's one good thing I think that came yeah. out of it to me. And I, I, you know, we've always hoped, and it's it is nice. And on occasion, if something major comes up that the order is still, we can do it virtual. Yeah, you know, because sometimes it is just challenging for, you know, we all have full time jobs, like you know. But it's nice to like, oh, we have something, you know, a new firefighter's coming on board, and we need to vote a new firefighter in, rather than making them wait till our next board meeting. You know, long as it's within the, the time period. All right. Well, let's do it at lunch. We all have lunch. Twelve o'clock off. Rather, all of us run to the village office. So let's just jump on a quick go-to meeting and uh, just do it electronically. Which I know my full-time job. I, you know, we're a full remote company. Uh, my boss is in Ithaca. Uh, her boss
1: is in Raleigh. You know, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, our only I, problem is is our job is you yeah. know, like our DB. That, that it is right, the village. Right.
2: Really. Yeah. So, but from the, the, the elected official role, it, it's yeah. tough because, you know, we all have different jobs and, you know, in different locations. And I just hope that the executive order from the, the governor allows that to continue even past this COVID yeah. emergency.
0: I,
1: I Yeah, I hope that too. I, I wish the, um, I'm nervous about the, the, you know, I don't know if, did they extend the moratorium for evictions? Did he extend it? Because I, I just get nervous that, yeah. you know, all these people that you know, are struggling or haven't been able to pay or plus the landlords that, you know, uh, haven't, you know, been able to collect money and they've got to pay their bills. And, you know, what happens? And, you know, what's that going to be? And I'm just waiting for that next, what didn't we expect?
2: Right. And I think that that's going to be a challenge. It's it's hurting everybody. It's hurting the owners of the property. You know, with all of our rentals, we have a ton of rentals that are just, you know, local people that own them, that where if their tenants aren't paying them, they're not paying their mortgage.
1: They're yeah, not what's going to happen in taxes? Right. Are they going to pay their taxes? At, right. You know, June yeah. 1, our bills go out, and, you know, they're due by the end of June. You mm-hmm. know, what's going to happen? And then, you know, you know we're lucky we get paid, but right. eventually, you know, look at Shopping Town. You know, you could have some property owners. I know, you know, there's delinquent property owners. It's tough. Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah, we run into that just on the commercial side. And that is another challenge that brings in when you have the diversity of the commercial type of businesses we have, where we have several commercial properties that are constantly delinquent on their taxes. That, you know, again, thankfully the, the county supports us. And, you know, I, I really appreciate their support on that, on reimbursing us. But if they ever chose not to, that would be a huge, huge, you know, loss to us that we'd have to plan on. You know, we look at a couple hundred thousand every year that we have to turn over to the county to collect. That's for amazing. Us. Yeah. <laughs> that, that
1: really is. I mean, when I heard that number from you and Salve, I was like, wow, because we're about thirty-five to forty every year. Yeah. You know, and I think everybody's in that you know seventeen to forty range, and then you two are the outliers. It's amazing when you think about because yeah, that's a lot. Of, I mean, your budget's how much? i uh, just over four million. Yeah. So 5% of your budget, yeah. you know what I mean, right out the door.
2: That's that's a couple staff members. That's uh, programming. That's new equipment. It's it's a big hit if we were to, to start taking that on. And then, you know, if they take that on, plus the new expense of actually having to go collect that, you know, and it just – so we're fortunate that we have the county to support us, but who knows when all this tax bills start hitting and these rental properties and other things that have been yeah. – Paused, let's say, because of the COVID.
1: i'm uh, How's the real estate market in the village?
2: You know, I, I love real estate and I love watching it, and it's, it's just following the trend of everybody else. It's kind of, it's kind of scary, and it, how uh, you know, properties are selling faster than they ever have for more. You know, I, I, I just love looking at real estate, just in my background of banking and stuff, and watching. And I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that people are getting the money they are for selling their houses. But but is it going
1: to burst? That's right. what I, I'm nervous about. I'm, I'm nervous about the assessed value, and I'm nervous that like a friend of mine just on the market on Friday, eleven offers on Monday, fifty over asking, right. no no contingencies, had to be out in two weeks. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, eleven offers. Oh my god, like right. oh my god, you yeah. know. And it's just there's you know I don't know how we have two or three houses right now in the market at seventeen hundred. Great if you're a, a seller, not so good if you're a buyer because you're paying more, but I think we're losing, and I'm not gonna say it right, but we're losing that ability for people to, to be able to afford to come into our villages. Yeah,
2: it does, it creates a, a void yeah. for the affordable housing. Yeah. For, and that's one thing we love about you know our community that we do have that affordable housing and we are central to so many things. And it, it makes it hard, the house that would go for 100,000, 150,000, or even yeah. 125,000, that's a yeah. huge change in their mortgage. Yeah. Plus, yeah. when it reflects on the taxes and yeah. it just, it really changes and it makes it challenging and it's going to lead to more rentals and, uh, you know, and if this more... Because you have a great school on, district, ESM is, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're very fortunate, you know, you for know. our community, for the district we have, and we have a great partnership with them. But at some point, it, this real estate market is yeah. going to create some type of ripple.
1: And how do you, <laughs> we can't stop it. Right. We... we, we, we yeah. Uh, somebody asked me, what, what about assessments? And I. first of all, we don't do the assessments. The town doesn't. Mm-hmm. But we, we can't say no. You can't say no to You can't right, tell right. somebody you can't sell your house, or, or you can't sell for that much, or we can't increase. I mean, it's market value. And, right. and to me, it's, that's what I'm just scratching my head saying, is there another way to do this? Mm-hmm. Should it be a flat tax? Right. Instead of an assessed value. Should it be? Should we mm-hmm. do a village flat tax? Everybody pays the same you know, to divide the total budget mm-hmm. by the total number, you know, assessed value and say, here you or by the, yeah, and then boom, here's your tax bill every year. Mm-hmm. But then some will go up, some will go down, some will be, mad. I mean, there's just no perfect system for this.
2: No, no, and I, you know, it just, yeah, I look at some of the properties, I even look at mine, and you know, just what it potentially, you know, it just, it's mind boggling and, and just uh, just makes me wonder, when when it happens, what it, what's it going to do? Yeah. Um, and it just kind of reflects in everything. You know, it's going to affect our taxes. It's going to affect you know the housing. You look at people that are going to buy these smaller houses because they can't afford to go into a decent sized house that they normally would. And but then they're going to be paying on this forever yeah. because now they paid an extra twenty five fifty thousand that they normally wouldn't yeah. have. Um, so I think there's even going to be that ripple effect of kind of the starter home process. You know, you're not going to have people yeah. buying the starter home yeah. and then moving up to the next
1: home and that plus those people coming in to volunteer right on your boards or on the yeah. fire department, you lose that, those people because you know what I mean they're they're having to work more to pay right. for it or they don't have time or mm-hmm. you know, you, you just lose that dichotomy that you know makes a village special. Uh, and I just, I just hope that doesn't happen because right. it's, you know, you work very hard at making sure that quality of life and all of us do as mayors. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what I want to get across that at, at this level, that's what it's about. It's about, you know, quality of life. It's about serving the public mm-hmm. and that's what it should be. It shouldn't be about serving politics or, or national issues. Yeah. It's not.
2: I stay as far as way from national, even some of the state, unless it's going to affect us just because at the end of the day, that doesn't bother, you know, it. it Whatever's going to happen at that level is going to happen at that level. Yeah. I'm just going to make sure the road is plowed. I'm going to make sure you know, the kids can walk down the street safe.
1: And you pick up that phone and you dial 911. It will... We'll be there. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, thank you so much for Definitely. being on the People for Olson podcast. I really appreciate your time, your service. Thank you for everything with the Mayor's Association. We're going to miss you. Uh, you're in November. This election, correct?
2: November, so my term will end January 1st.
1: Yep. January 1st. Good. Well, thank you very much. And, and please go to peopleforolson.com uh, to watch this episode and for more information. And thank you very much, Mayor Tackman. My thank pleasure. You. Absolutely.
0: Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation between Mark and Mayor Robert Tackman. Again, don't forget to make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and then leave us a review and let, let us know what you think of the People for Olson podcast. And remember to visit us online at peopleforolson.com. Thank you so much. And we're going to catch you next week right here on the People for Olson podcast.